What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees, and welcome to week five of my weekly NFL football pick show for the 2019 NFL regular season and postseason, and taking a look at last week, UFA. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, last week is what I will call an UFA. Uh, it was an UFA straight up because I only went six and nine straight up picking the 15 games last week. A lot of upsets last week, but I know that. I have that in mind that upsets happen routinely. The rule of four, I've been talking about it for years now. It is a perfect four and O oh on the season. The rule of four is, and last week, Eight of the 15 games were won by underdogs, betting underdogs. So I know that stuff going in. I still only went six and nine on the week. That has me 34, 28, and one straight up. Against the spread, fared no better. Like honestly, if you don't if you don't hit these games straight up, it is exceedingly difficult to hit them against the spread. And I only went four and eleven. I will never not be transparent with people. It was a terrible crummy week both straight up and against the spread 4 and 11 against the spread only has me 23 39 and 1 so i'm definitely digging myself a much bigger hole there however i'm digging myself out of my over under hole last week i actually went 10 and 5 on the over unders that was like the lone bright spot in the results from last week, 10 and 5 on the over-unders, and I'm back to 500, 31, 31, and 1, picking the totals of these games so far this year. So, you know what? Bright spots. I took three massive casualties in the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks last week. I aced my platinum pick, and that's nice. Again, bright spots and small victories aced the platinum pick told you to take the chargers over the dolphins the dolphins are just the gift that keeps on giving chargers win that game 30 to 10 it was a straight up win i told you to take the chargers minus 16 against the spread they cover that number and i told you to stay under 44 and a half and the game only gets to 40 so we aced that however on the gold silver and bronze picks i lost all three of them straight up and against the spread because I took all the favorites. I had Baltimore beating Cleveland. Cleveland puts up 40 on them, beats them 40 to 25. I had the Rams beating the Bucks. The Bucks put up 55 on the Rams and lo they lose that game 55 to 40. And I had the Colts over the Raiders. The Raiders put up 31 points on the Colts and they lose the game 31 to 24. I had Baltimore minus seven. I had the Rams minus nine and a half and I had the Colts minus seven. So I lost all of those. I did, however, actually sweep the totals. I went four and oh on those totals under 44 and a half in the Chargers and the Dolphins over 46 in Baltimore and Cleveland over 50 and a half in LA and Tampa and over 45 in Indy and Oakland. So Bright spots and small victories, that's the theme of the week four picks. Checking in on the Bridgewater's Finest and official NFL YouTube prognosticators pick'em pools for this season. In the Bridgewater's Finest pool, I'm in a tie for 23rd out of 37, brought in 335 out of 528 possible confidence points so far this season. That's only a clip of 63%, and that is not going to be good enough on the season as a whole. But if we're going to have a lemon week, we might as well get it out of the way early. Only brought in 46 of the 120 possible confidence points last week, due in no small part to the fact that three of my top four picks wound up not working out. But shout out to our week four winner, TC. TC only went eight and seven straight up, a reflection of how difficult it was to make picks last week, but they did bring in 73 out of 120 possible confidence points, about an average of nine points per correct pick, which is excellent. That's a clip of 61%, and that was good enough to win week four. Justin V takes back over the overall lead in the pool, 40, 22, and 1, picking the games straight up, 380 out of 528 possible confidence points. That's a season-long championship clip of 72%, good enough to take back the overall lead in that pool. 
In the official NFL YouTube prognosticators pool, I'm in a tie for 23rd out of 36. That's just picking games straight up, winners and losers. I've only got 34 of the 63 games picked correctly so far on the season. That's only a clip of 54%, and it is not going to be good enough. Only brought in 6 out of the 15 games correct last week. Once again, that's only a clip of 40%. That's also not going to be good enough. Shout out to our week four winner, however, Rel Eagles Fly, a longtime member of this community. He brought in 10 of the 15 games correct last week. That's a clip of 67%. Pretty excellent in a week like that to hit double digits. Bailey's Picks and Shark Jumper are now in a tie, a dead heat for first overall in that pool after the first four weeks. They've got 41 picks correct out of the 63 games played so far that's a clip of 65 percent it's still not quite where you want to be at the end of the season but it's more than enough right now to uh to have the overall lead at about the quarter pole of the regular season so shout out to tc and rel eagles fly for winning week four in the pools and to justin v bailey's picks and shark jumper for being our overall leaders As a reflection of just how poor week four was for me, I also took my first strike in Hatbox's survival pool. I had the Los Angeles Rams. They were my silver pick. I thought they'd handle the Bucks. That certainly did not happen, at least on the defensive side. How are you going to give up 55 points to Tampa Bay? So I took my first strike on the season. It's a two-strike pool, so I am still alive. However, there are now only 24 of the 35 people who started that pool. Only 24 are still alive. And 15 of those 24 now sit with a single strike after the absolute decimation that was week four. So I correctly took Seattle, Baltimore, and Buffalo in weeks one, two, and three, and lost out on Los Angeles this past week. Taking a peek into Fantasy Corner, let's take a look at how my eight fantasy football teams did in week four action, and once again, bright spots, seven and one across the board on my fantasy teams, my eight fantasy teams now with a combined record of 24 and 8 so an average of 3 and 1 in each league I'm undefeated in a couple of leagues so it's been an excellent start to the fantasy football season at the very least in the professionals dynasty fantasy football league picked up the win in week 4 against turn down for Watt Rich Johnson has been in the league since the beginning that moves me to 3 and 1 and I sit in 3rd place in that league got a week 5 matchup coming up against Tanking for Tua, or Tank for Tua, I can't remember which one it is. That's Gavin O'Connor, once again, longtime member of this community. It's a projected win for me by about three possessions, so I feel pretty good about that game, but, you know, again, they say anything can happen. In the official NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy Football League, I also picked up the win against the league commissioner, Gracie Manor Ghouls, the Hatbox Kid, Chris Carter. That moves me to 4-0, and a perfect 4-0, and if you will, in the Progs League, but that still only has me in third place. I'm one of three teams that have an undefeated record right now in that pool, going to be incredibly competitive at the top. I got a week five matchup with Jackalopes. I'm a favorite by about a touchdown in that matchup, so cannot afford to let that one slip away from me. Touchdown for Watt, or sorry, turn down for Watt. And Gracie Manor Ghouls, thank you so much for the matchups in week four. And tanking for Tua and Jackalopes, let's do the thing in week five. And I'll take this opportunity, as I always do, to remind you that if you go to the description of the video on YouTube or of the audio file on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts, you are going to find all of my results from last week, all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for week five action in the NFL. You're going to find information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest and official NFL YouTube prognosticators pick them pools never too late to join those pools put your picks up head to head against mine get yourself shouted out on the show if you happen to win a week or even move into the overall lead you can find information on joining the nfl youtube prognosticators facebook page where we talk football all week long it's an excellent community we really love it you'll also find information on the most important thing which is my wonderful sponsors at nerd tees
nerdtees.ca. You're going to want to hit that promo code BWFINEST. That is going to save you 15% at checkout. You're going to get free shipping if you live in Canada on any order over 75 bucks. Or if you're in the U.S., two clicks of a button, everything is in U.S. dollars for you and you get an excellent conversion on the U.S. dollar. Today's blend is my favorite blend. I had to bring out the big guns after a bad week. It's watermelon oolong. Smells just like watermelon. Tastes just like watermelon. Delicious hot. Delicious cold. It's just the most versatile and best blend of tea that I have ever drank. It's watermelon oolong and it's from nerdteas.ca nerdtees.ca promo code BWFinest save your money get your free shipping get your great conversion rate find yourself something to love or find someone you love something to love you can do it on nerdtees.ca Another 15 games on tap for week five in the NFL. You've got the Miami Dolphins and the Detroit Lions on bye this week. So this is an opportunity to right all of the wrongs from last week, and we'll see if we can do that. We are going to get started in Seattle with the Seahawks playing host to the Los Angeles Rams. This is a battle of the NFC West. Both of these teams currently sitting at 3-1. and one. This will be Seattle's second division game. They've already won a game inside the division. That happened actually last week. They went to Arizona, beat the Cardinals 27-10. That was one of my upset picks. It certainly did not work out that way. The Rams coming off of, once again, that embarrassing loss against Tampa Bay, 55-40. Rams have won both of their road games so far this season and come into this game with the number four passing offense in the NFL. Was certainly bolstered by that 40-point performance last week, though it did absolutely nothing for their defense. The Seahawks come into this game as one of just three teams in the NFL who have not thrown an interception yet on the season. It's Seattle, Tennessee, and Kansas City. It's, you know, you're already through the quarter pole of the season. Your quarterback hasn't, you know, tossed up a lame duck yet. And especially with how much Russell Wilson often has to run around behind what you could call a shoddy offensive line at best. Uh, I think it's pretty impressive that he hasn't thrown up a pick yet. It was interesting enough to me on the Rams side defensively, Marcus Peters, who had a pick six in that game and then got absolutely clobbered by one of the Bucks offensive linemen. He was in concussion protocol and has apparently already cleared it. Um, that timeline doesn't seem normal to me. So Marcus Peters' situation is one that could highlight problems in the concussion protocol because how could you take a hit like that and I think it carted off the field if I'm if I'm not mistaken how could you do that and already clear concussion protocol they said oh well he didn't have a concussion like how could he not have a concussion after taking that hit anyway Marcus Peters status will be one to watch because you saw how the Rams got torched on defense last week. And if they're starting to look at like replacement level players for somebody, the level of Marcus Peters, that's a significant injury. If Marcus Peters happens to miss time, obviously, since this is a division matchup, the two teams play each other quite frequently. The Rams have won three straight games and Jared Goff is two and one on his career in Seattle. So he is a quarterback that knows how to go into Seattle and beat the Seahawks. Not every quarterback in the league can say that. The underdog in this matchup has also covered six of the last straight matchups against the spread. And of those eight games, the underdog has won four of them straight up. In what is a very even matchup, I'm going to lean on the trends. I'm going to lean on the underdog. And the underdog in this matchup is the Los Angeles Rams based on betting and the numbers actually moving in Seattle's favor. I feel like this is a trap, at least based on the line. I'm going to grab the road dog here. I'm going to take the Los Angeles Rams in Seattle for something of an upset, a divisional upset, to get back on the right track here. Let's take the Rams in Seattle to beat the Seahawks. Like I said, against the spread, the Rams are the underdog here. Seattle, a two-point favorite at home, and I totally understand why they're a two-point favorite at home. These two teams, I would say basically a wash. Home field usually worth two or three points, so I get why they're a two-point favorite, and I also kind of get why the line is moving in their direction. But since I'm taking the Rams to win, I'm going to take those two points as well, take the Rams plus two. 
Total in the game set at 49 points. This is a relatively close total. I've got this capped somewhere around a low 50, so 51, 52 points, something like that. It is just enough for me to lean on the over here. I think you'll see Jared Goff and the Rams offense put up a good number of points. Seattle obviously is going to be able to score on that Rams defense. So let's go over 49 points in Los Angeles, Seattle. Let's take Rams 28, Seahawks 24. Let's go to Cincinnati now where the Bengals are going to come into this game off the short week, having just played last night and looked absolutely pathetic. They get to welcome the Arizona Cardinals into Cincinnati to play the Bengals. And uh, look, it's it feels like a very soft matchup for Cincinnati. Vegas certainly thinks it's a soft matchup, but man, did that team ever look terrible last night. Somehow, with Joe Mixon and Gio Bernard, the Cincinnati Bengals are still managing to roll out the absolute worst run offense in the entire NFL. It's well under 50 yards a game, I believe, if I got my numbers correct. Not to mention, they're also inside the bottom 10 in terms of total defense. Cincinnati, only the number 24 total defense in football. They looked like they could not stop anything last night. Pittsburgh moved the ball up and down the field, and you know how Pittsburgh's had their offensive troubles as of late. Cincinnati, they can't block for Andy Dalton. I think he got sacked eight times in that game. You know who the Cincinnati Bengals remind me of? And this is for my, my CFL folks. Listen up. The Cincinnati Bengals are the BC Lions. The offensive line is terrible. They can't block for anybody. They can only run once in a blue moon, but they got a quarterback that plays really well and receivers that can make plays. Sound familiar? It sounds an awful lot like the BC Lions to me. Now, what will keep this game close and competitive is the fact that the Arizona Cardinals are also inside the bottom 10 in terms of total defense. And as a matter of fact, are the second worst total defense in football. And I believe they just cut DJ Swearinger. So how can that possibly help? But if you look at these two teams offensively, which of these two teams do I trust more to reach, say, 20 points or be the first one to reach 20 points, especially up against the defense that they'll be playing in this game? To me, I think it's the Arizona Cardinals. I think Arizona's got more weapons on the offensive side, and I believe they use them better than Cincinnati does as a whole, especially if that offensive line can't figure out how to pass protect for Andy Dalton. I don't know how Andy Dalton did what he did in the first three weeks, where this was like the number two or number three pass offense in football. I have no idea how he did that. But based on watching that whole game last night from first snap to last, it it seems like two completely different teams. So if this is going to be a Jekyll and Hyde team, I kind of feel more comfortable going with the team that I, I have a general idea of what they are, and that's the Arizona Cardinals. I'm going to take the upset here. I like Arizona in Cincinnati, especially where Cincinnati only has a couple of days to prepare. I like the Cardinals here. I'm going to take Arizona in the upset in Cincinnati to beat the Bengals. On the line, Cincinnati is a completely unjustified three-and-a-half-point favorite in this football game. Even if you don't like Arizona to win, this is not a terrible spot to hedge because I think it's going to be a close game one way or the other. I'm going to grab Arizona plus three-and-a-half here because I like them to win. Again, I'd consider a hedge even if I liked Cincinnati in this one. Total in the game set at 47.5 points. This, to me, is pretty well a perfect total. I think it's right on the money. It's a real coin flip, but I'm going to skew on the under because neither one of these offenses are particularly great. <laughs> so I think I'm going to stay under on it, even if it's only by a point or two. We're going to stay under 47 and a half points in Arizona, Cincinnati. Let's go Cards 24, Bengals 23. Let's go to Tennessee now where the Titans are going to play host to a Buffalo Bills team that is reeling from yet another significant injury. Titans come into this week off of a 24-10 victory in Atlanta over the Falcons last week. Buffalo losing that game against New England, but man... Buffalo had New England on the ropes. They were in prime position to win that game. They advanced, they took advantage of, that's the word I'm trying to say. They took advantage of the fact that Tom Brady had probably one of his five worst games as a professional football player. 
And I think Buffalo's defense forced that in certain ways. I think that secondary, I've been talking about them since before the season started, that that secondary is incredibly talented. And then the thing happened with Josh Allen. So Josh Allen takes a hit that uh, certain people um, believed was a dirty hit. I don't necessarily agree. I think it was a, a bang-bang play. I don't think it was done with any kind of intent. Like, there's no there's no comparing what happened to Josh Allen with what Vontae Perfect did. And we'll get to that. But, like, there's no, there's no comparing those two things. This was a, a, an unfortunate bang-bang play. Josh Allen got a concussion. He's in concussion protocol. His status for this game is unknown. Matt Barkley came in and was not able to get the job done in terms of beating the New England Patriots. But still, the fact that the Buffalo Bills kept that game to less than a touchdown. It was a six-point game, 16-10. to 10. That was a heck of a performance for them. And now they come into a game where they're sporting the number two total defense in football, as well as the number four run offense in football. And that number two total defense is going to take on a Tennessee Titans team that is the fifth worst pass offense in football. Not moving the ball very well through the air, although Marcus Mariota had himself a bit of a bounce back game last week. Tennessee, another one of those two teams, or those three teams, sorry, that have not thrown an interception yet on the season, along with Kansas City and Seattle. And Tennessee as a whole, just one giveaway on the season. That's a really impressive number through four football games to only have given the ball away one time. Kudos to Tennessee. Once again here, though, I think I have to skew on the side of the team that I know more, I'm more confident in, I feel are more reliable and that's the Buffalo Bills. Tennessee is another, like kind of like Cincinnati. They're a Jekyll and Hyde football team. You never know which Tennessee team is going to show up. And I just feel like top to bottom, the Buffalo Bills, I feel like they're a better football team. Even though that Tennessee secondary is more than capable of doing some good things. I'm going to skew on Buffalo here, my third straight road team, my third straight road underdog, in fact. Let's take the Buffalo Bills in Tennessee to beat the Titans. On the line, Titans are three-point favorites. It's understandable. I guess the two teams are relatively evenly matched. I like Buffalo to win, so I'm going to take those points. Thank you very much. We're going to go Buffalo plus three. Total in the game set at 38.5 points. I don't have this game getting to 30. I barely have this game getting to 25. Like, I, these are, this is going to be a defensive clinic on both sides, especially where Buffalo will likely be without their starting quarterback. I think defense is going to rule the day here. I've got this capped at like a mid to high 20, so I feel really good about staying under on this number. We're going to stay under 38.5 points in Buffalo, Tennessee. Let's go Bills 14, Titans 12. Let's go to Oakland now. No, we won't. Let's go across the pond, in fact, to jolly old England, Wembley Stadium, I believe it is, for the Oakland Raiders and Chicago Bears playing the first of the international games this season, getting it out of the way quick in week five. Oakland's got to feel pretty good about themselves. A 31-24 victory last week in Indianapolis against the Colts. So, I mean... Well, first of all, just to score 31 points has to feel pretty good or to keep somebody under 30 has to feel pretty good. Both of those things, it had to be just a great rip-roaring celebration for Oakland aside from the gigantic black cloud that got thrown over that game. Chicago has to be feeling pretty good as well. A 10-point victory against a division rival, 16-6 against Minnesota. Both of these teams have to come into this game feeling fairly good. Now, as I mentioned, this game is taking place in London, so doing the due diligence, have these two teams been there before, and what have the results been? Chicago's only played one game across the pond since they started doing these international games. It was a 24-18 victory over the Tampa Bay Bucks, but it was way back in 2011, so there were very few players that are currently on this team that would have even been in the NFL at that time, much less playing on this team. I mean, that's eight years ago. Oakland 1-3 and three in four trips to London, most recently a 27-3 loss against Seattle that was last year. 
The Bears are still sporting the third worst total offense in the NFL, but they're mitigating that in a big bad way by having the number five total defense. They're riding their defense. They're winning football games with that incredible defense. And along with that, Chicago is tied as an NFL best plus six on the turnover differential. And that's that's that defense coming into play as well because you know the offense is probably going to turn a ball over here and there, but they're plus six on the season in the turnover differential. They're tied with the Patriots for the best mark in the NFL. Now we get to the multiple players that will probably not be playing in this football game. The most notable of which obviously is going to be Mitch Trubisky. Trubisky suffering a dislocated shoulder in that game last week against Minnesota. I believe it was Danielle Hunter chasing him down. He lands awkwardly on the shoulder. He dislocates it. It's likely that he's traveling with the team, but it's unlikely for him to play. And I actually tweeted about this last night because I found a Forbes article talking about this particular injury and certainly in the context of Mitch Trubisky. And I just want to quote something interesting to you. So this is what I tweeted last night. Lost in the conversation about the Trubisky injury is the circa 73% likelihood of, quote, further instability events in the same season as the injury. And again, that was per that Forbes article, which was written by David Geyer, who's an orthopedic surgeon. The translation of that is there's a pretty good chance that Mitch Trubisky, when he does play again, is going to re-injure that shoulder at some point this season. So do you want to run him out already, like the week after this happens? I don't think that would be the smartest move for the Bears. So I would expect that Mitch Trubisky, even if he travels, is not going to play in this game. And then the Bears on the defensive side too. Roquan Smith, who was a surprise inactive last week due to what Coach Matt Nagy described as a personal issue and described multiple times simply as it's a personal issue, it's a personal issue, it's a personal issue. So his status for this game is also absolutely unknown whether he's even going to travel with the team, much less if he's going to play. So that's a hit on the offensive side and a hit on the defensive side for Chicago, but no hit on the defensive side for any team was as dirty and disgusting as what Vontaze Burfecht did. So Vontaze Burfecht, who has had up to this point, I believe it was uh, 22 personal fouls or something like that uh, in the last couple of years. Uh, It was like the most in the NFL. And of course, now he's got 23. I don't even really know how to describe what he did. He tried to decapitate Jack Doyle. Like he tried to behead him. Doyle is down and Vontaze just leads with his helmet. To the handful of people who are going to defend Vontaze Perfect and say, well, he's just he just he's just in the league, you know, ten years beyond his time. Fuck you. I don't I don't care what the NFL what the standard in the NFL used to be. How it used to be in the NFL has what is what's led to all of these players having their brains scrambled. So I don't care if you're nostalgic for times like that. Vontaze Perfect is a dirty ass player. He's been a dirty-ass player his whole career. He's still a dirty-ass player. And the NFL has was right to suspend him. The NFL has suspended him for the rest of this season and said, you know what? Screw you. You're done. We don't like the way you play football. Your brand of football needs to change or else you ain't playing here again. Certainly not this year. And you know what? It's the NFL. It's If you want to play in somebody's clubhouse, you got to play by the club's rules. And Vontaze Perfect refuses to. Now, of course, in true scumbag fashion, he's appealing the suspension as if he has any legs to stand on with, well, I, 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 uh, 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 I, I didn't mean it. I bet. I bet you didn't mean it the 22 other times you've done it too. Piss off. Well, that's right. We got a, we got a game to talk about. Um, I don't, trust Oakland just because they beat Indianapolis last week when Indianapolis is like missing half of their offensive roster like T I don't think T.Y. Hilton played looks like you know Paris Campbell um is probably not going to play this coming week Marlon Mack I think tweaked an ankle so like I'm not going to put a ton of stock into the fact that Oakland beat a really depleted Colts team last week they're playing a team in Chicago that even though they're probably not going to have Trubisky and even though they might not have Roquan Smith, 
they have more than enough depth to beat a team like Oakland, especially where this will, even though Oakland is listed as the home team, this will technically be back-to-back road games for Oakland because they got had to go to Indy last week and now they got to go across the pond. So I'm going to take Chicago here. They're just the better football team top to bottom. Let's take the Bears, quote-unquote, on the road in London to beat Oakland. On the line, Chicago's a four-and-a-half-point favorite, and uh, I think that's a pretty... I think that's a, a good reflection of, of what this is. I think these two teams are separated by about a touchdown. It, like overall, I think Chicago's about a touchdown better. I'll lay those four and a half points. Let's go Chicago minus four and a half. Total in the game set at 40 and a half points. And I don't have this thing capped much above 30. I think this is a race to 20. And I think Chicago is going to be the one to get there. And I don't think Oakland will. So we're going to stick under on this one. We're going to go under 40 and a half points in Oakland, Chicago in London. Let's go Chicago 19, Oakland 10. Let's go to New Orleans now where the Saints are going to play host to the Tampa Bay Bucks. Both of these teams coming off of victories last week uh one team certainly made it look much different than the other one tampa bay looking absolutely dominant in that 55 to 40 victory over la new orleans kind of fumbling their way through to a 12 to 10 victory at home against the dallas cowboys saints have now won two straight games they're at three and one have the inside track in the nfc south but again, the Bucks are right behind them at 2-2. Two and two. They won last week. It is back-to-back road games for Tampa Bay, so you do have to take that into account, and they did win last week. However, again, that trend has been completely flipped on its head because teams on back-to-back road games coming off a win in the previous week are 5-0 and straight up and 5-0 and against the spread, which is unprecedented and insane. Should be plenty of room to move the football in this game. This is two bottom 10 pass defenses. The Bucks, the second worst pass defense in football. The Saints only chiming in at number 24. The real competition here is going to be Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray against that Bucks run defense because through the first four weeks, the Bucks have the number one run defense in football giving up the fewest rushing yards on average. So that's going to be the real competition. And if anything, if anybody is going to test whether that Bucks run defense is for real, it's going to be Alvin Kamara. These two teams have crazy back and forth trends. Like they've been trading wins, trading covers against the spread. The only real thing I could pick out from this game is that the team that wins has also covered against the spread eight straight times. So if the favorite won, whatever the number was, the favorite covered. If the underdog won, well, of course they covered against the spread because the underdog won. But the fact that if the favorite wins, they've covered. And that's happened uh, the last eight straight times. The winner has also covered against the spread. I just don't like Tampa's chances to win back-to-back road games. I don't think they're that team yet. Even in a season where that trend has been ridiculously, you know, on point. I just, I don't know. They're just not a team that I trust to do that yet. So I'm going to take the Saints here. They're a better football team. They've won two games now without Drew Brees. I just, I like it. I just like the Saints here. A good spot for them being at home. Let's take New Orleans at home to beat Tampa. On the line, Saints are only laying three points. And like I said, the team that wins... They've also covered eight straight games, so it's a small price to pay. Let's lay those points and take the Saints minus three. Total in the game set at 47 points. I've got this actually capped at like a mid-50, like a low maybe, but I I think it could be up to a mid-50. So I feel real good about going over on this one. Let's go over 47 points in New Orleans, Tampa Bay. We're going to go Saints 31, Bucks 24. Let's go to New York now where the Giants are going to play host to the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings also coming into this game on back-to-back roadies. However, they did lose that 10-point decision in Chicago last week. How about the New York Giants? Two straight wins? They're back to 500 after four weeks? I don't think there are much of anybody that would have thought the Giants would be at 500 after four weeks or at 500 at any point in the season after they were 0-0. 
a convincing 24-3 victory against the Washington Redskins, a division matchup last week, big win for the Giants. Oh boy, the Redskins, we'll talk about them later, but huge win for New York. Because I want you to think about this. They're doing it, Odell Beckham's not there anymore, is not Eli Manning's not starting, Saquon Barkley is hurt. That was Wayne Gallman who had himself a heck of a game. So that's that's all Wayne Gallman in the run game now. All of those mitigating factors and the Giants are 2-2. Two and two. And here's exactly how they're doing it. The Giants are a top 10 pass offense this season, which is mind-blowing. Like, it's crazy to think that the Giants are a top 10, even through the first four weeks, a top 10 pass offense. They're also a top 10 run offense the Giants the number eight run offense in football that would be a little more believable because you're like oh well Saquon Barkley of course but it's like well Barkley's not in there so I mean Wayne Gallman has contributed to that in a big bad way is this actually a matchup of two top 10 run offenses this season Minnesota the number three run offense in the NFL and again the Giants coming in at number eight what's really let the Vikings down this season is Kirk Cousins there's, there's no other way to describe it. It's Kirk Cousins. Adam Thielen basically said as much after the game last week. The Vikings, the second worst pass offense in football. I think they'll have some opportunities to move the ball through the air in this game. But will Kirk Cousins actually do it? Kirk Cousins is not taking the shots down the field that you should be taking when you have Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. Like there's, there's no excuse for it. If the Giants will have any Achilles heel in this game and this season, it's the fact that they're turning the ball over way too much. They have the second worst turnover differential in the NFL, second only to the Miami Dolphins, and that's that's some big territory there. They're minus five through four weeks. So, I mean, look, you're on pace to be, what, minus 20? somewhere in that range you got to fix that like to be minus five in the turnover differential already this early in the season it's not a good look but look Giants at home team that's coming in played on the road last week been a while since they've been home they lost that game Giants are coming in off a big win got to be feeling pretty good about themselves I kind of like the Giants here to be honest in fact, let's go for it. This is very clearly not the Vikings team that we expected them to be. The defense has been mostly fine. They're only giving up about 16 points a game. But the fact that the offense is only scoring like 21, like 21 points, I would have expected more than that. Let's go for it. We're going to go for the New York Giants. Let's take the Giants at home in what some will call an upset. Some also include Las Vegas. But we're going to take the Giants at home to beat the Vikings. On the line, the Giants are four and a half point dogs at home. This would be a great spot to hedge even if you don't like the Giants to win because I think this is going to be a close football game. Four and a half points would be too many for me, but I like them to win, so I'm taking those points. Giants plus four and a half. Total in the game set at 45 points. I've only got this capped at like a high 30, maybe a 40. So I feel pretty good about staying under on this one. We're going to stay under 45 points in Minnesota, New York. Let's go Giants 21, Vikings 19. Let's go to Pittsburgh now. AFC North matchup of the Steelers playing host to the Baltimore Ravens. Steelers coming in off of a big win, a convincing win, another division win. So it's back-to-back division games, actually for both of these teams. Because Baltimore lost in Cleve- lost against Cleveland. So Pittsburgh coming in on the short week. They just played last night. Looked real good against a bad Cincinnati Bengals team. Baltimore losing a surprising 40-25 to decision against the Cleveland Browns. A game that I thought Baltimore would, would walk all over them. Despite feeling pretty good about how things went last night. You got to imagine the Pittsburgh Steelers are the more desperate football team here. Because look, you got the Steelers sitting at 1-3. The Ravens are at two and two. If the Steelers win this game, both of those teams sit at two and three. Even if Cleveland happens to win this week, they're only at three and two. Still a very competitive division. However, if Baltimore wins this game, they go to three and two. Pittsburgh falls to one and four. That's a two game gap already just through five weeks. And then, you know, no matter what Cleveland does, that's a big hole for Pittsburgh to try to dig themselves out of. So Pittsburgh's got to be feeling desperate here. 
And the Ravens have lost two straight, so they're not quite feeling as good as they were earlier. That said, I'm sure the Baltimore Ravens and their number one total offense in football this season is probably feeling pretty ticked off about the fact that they allowed the Cleveland Browns to hang up 40 on them and they only put up 25. Like, if you're going to get into a shootout, that's cool. I feel like Baltimore has the weapons to compete in a situation like that, but they certainly didn't show it or it certainly didn't show it nearly enough in that game against Cleveland. Again, Baltimore number one total offense. Pittsburgh, despite the victory last night and the very convincing one where they basically moved the ball at will, still the fourth worst total offense in the NFL so far this season. Maybe they turned a corner. Maybe they're on the right track. I think a big test against Baltimore, a second straight division game for both teams, will certainly go a long way in answering that question. Of note, head-to-head, the road team here has won three of the last four matchups head-to-head, and the underdog has covered against the spread three straight times and in eight of the last nine between these two teams. Quite frankly, I think Baltimore's too good of a football team to go on a three-game losing streak. Certainly not this early in the season. I think the defense turns it around. I'm assuming that's a blip on the radar. I trust that defense. More than I trust Pittsburgh's defense, I trust that offense more than I trust Pittsburgh's offense. Even though the game's in Pittsburgh, that's not enough to sway me, especially where the Steelers are coming in on the short week. Let's take Baltimore in this matchup. We're going to take the Ravens in Pittsburgh to beat the Steelers. On the line, Steelers are four-point dogs at home. So, you know, I understand that. it's weird. This line is really weird because it opened with Pittsburgh as four-point favorites. And now, all of a sudden, they're four-point dogs. So, big-time line movement in this one. But Baltimore to only lay four points. It's under a touchdown, and I legitimately think that's the difference between these two football teams within the context of this season. So, I'm okay laying those four points. I'm going to take Baltimore minus four in Pittsburgh. Total in the game set at 42 and a half points. I've actually got this capped at like a mid 50. I think we're going to see plenty of points in this football game, I think from Baltimore's side. So I feel pretty good going over the 42 and a half point total. I'm going to go Baltimore 39, Pittsburgh 16. I think Baltimore balls out in this football game. Let's go to Washington now. The Redskins are going to welcome in the New England Patriots. Patriots on back-to-back road games, having won last week, and some people will describe that as being gifted a victory. I think that's a little unfair, but I understand the mitigating circumstances with the Josh Allen injury and what have you. What I do know for sure is the Patriots are 4-0. What a shock. Not only are the Patriots 4-0, they're only giving up seven points a game. It's ridiculous. They're only giving up seven points a game, and they got a Redskins team coming in that's only averaging uh, 15. Not going to spend a ton of time on this game. Washington, the fifth worst total offense in football. The Patriots, the number one total defense in football. Washington, the fourth worst run defense. I think Sony Michelle and the plethora of running backs that the Patriots have will have all kinds of room to run the football in this one. The Patriots, again, tied with Chicago with an NFL best plus six in the turnover differential. I think they'll get a couple of turnovers in this game. Not exactly an easy road for Dwayne Haskins at the quarterback position for Washington. She's going to be a long day, rookie. Buckle up. Patriots in a walk. New England goes into Washington and picks up the win. On the line, the Patriots are 15 and a half point favorites on the road. And I get a little upset with lines this big, but in a case like this, it's justified. I don't see Washington moving the football on an incredible Patriots defense. I really don't. Everybody seems to forget that Bill Belichick is like a defensive genius. Because you think of the Patriots, you think high-powered offense, Tom Brady, touchdowns all over the place. That's kind of what you think about. But like Bill Belichick's a defensive coach. And I I think arguably a defensive genius. And that's what this team is mitigated on. That's what they're predicated on. That's so close. Almost nailed it. That's what this team's predicated on. They're predicated on the defense. So 15 and a half points, it's a huge number, but it's justified. And I'm laying those points. I'm taking New England minus the 15 and a half. 
Total in the game set at 43 and a half points. I've got this capped around a mid to high 30. I feel pretty good about staying under the 43 and a half point total. We're going to take Patriots 34. I'm going to give the Redskins a field goal. All right, we're going to go Patriots 34, Washington 3. Let's go to Carolina now. Panthers at home welcoming in the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville coming off a win last week on the road. It's back-to-back road games for the Jags, but they got the job done due in no small part to Minchu Mania as well as the legs of Leonard Fournette. Arguably a game that Jacksonville might not have deserved to win, but sometimes you got to win ugly. Jacksonville's reeled off two straight wins. They're back to two and two. The scoring is back to even, and they got something in Gardner Minshew. Like, Nick Foles is very slowly losing his job. Carolina, meanwhile, also coming off of a victory. A six-point win in Houston against the Texans. I took the Texans in that game, so it was one of my, my many losses from last week. I'm really impressed with the Carolina Panthers' defense. As a matter of fact, their defense currently ranking, let's see, the number four total defense in football. So this is going to be a real, real test here. Look, look, nothing against the Denver Broncos. That's not the team we expected them to be. The Carolina Panthers, especially on the defensive side, are, I think, a little bit better than the team we expected them to be. This is a real test for Gardner Minshew, Leonard Fournette, and that offense. Can they move the ball in a back-to-back roadie situation? Jacksonville, historically, a terrible road team, although they've gotten a little better in the last couple of years. But still, not a great road team. Back-to-back roadies against a really good defense. On Carolina's side, it still looks like it's going to be a couple more weeks before we see Cam Newton back under center. Uh, Basically, they're talking about with his, it was a Lisfranc injury, I think, wasn't it? Probably looking at after their week seven bye. So a couple more weeks here, they're going to have to roll with their backup quarterback as well. Battle of the backups. And as much as I think Gardner Minshew is a better quarterback than Kyle Allen is, I certainly don't think Leonard Fournette's a better running back than Christian McCaffrey. And I, they just have too many weapons, I think the Panthers do. I think the Panthers come up with the victory in this one. We're going to grab Carolina at home to hang a loss on Jacksonville. On the line, Panthers are three and a half point favorites, so you do got to buy that little bit of juice, that extra half point. But I feel comfortable laying those points. I think it's 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 a comfortable victory for Carolina. I barely had to touch this game after I capped it originally. So we're going to grab Carolina minus the three and a half points. Total in the game set at 41. I think it's probably our second perfect, absolutely perfect total of the week. Kind of a coin flip, but I am going to stick under on it because I think Carolina's defense is going to make a lot of big plays in this game. So we're going to stick under 41 points in Carolina Jacksonville. Let's go Panthers 23, Jags 17. We mentioned Houston there losing to Carolina last week. Let's go to Houston. They get to come home and play host to the Atlanta Falcons. Two teams coming into the game off losses. Atlanta's actually lost back-to-back games. And they were both losses where the offenses only scored 10 points. Now the Falcons do sport the number two pass offense in football still. Matty Ice is still slinging that football to the multitude of weapons that he has in the pass game. Houston, only a bottom 10 pass offense. They've still got the weapons, but Deshaun Watson not exactly getting it done through the air. So if you ask me which one of these two teams is going to have more success moving the ball vertically, it's going to be the Atlanta Falcons. There's no question about that. However, you know how I when I talked about the Giants and I talked about their turnover differential and I said they were tied with a couple of teams, Atlanta, unfortunately, is one of them. The Falcons minus five in the turnover differential just through four weeks this season. So if Atlanta coughs up one or two, Houston's going to be able to take advantage of that. Houston's too good of a football team not to take advantage of stuff like that. And I think that's the difference maker right there. I like the Houston Texans. I think this is going to be a very close football game, but I'm going to take the home team here. I'm going to go with Houston. Let's take the Texans to beat the Falcons. On the line, Texans are five-point favorites at home, and I'm going to be hedging my bets on this one. I'm going to grab Atlanta plus five and take those points. I just think five points is too many here in what I think is going to be a low-scoring game. Getting to the total. Total set at 48.5 points. I only had this thing capped at like a high 30. 
I don't think this thing touches 40 points. I feel real good about staying under on this one. We're going to go under 48 and a half points in Houston, Atlanta. Let's go Texans 20, Falcons 17. And the last game we're going to look at before we get to the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks is the Dallas Cowboys at home playing host to the Green Bay Packers. Both of these teams coming into this game with injury issues. Most notably for the Packers, Devontae Adams is dealing with turf toe, which just makes my fantasy teams have a, you know, heart palpitations. But it seems like he's going to play. But at the end of the game last week, and again, Packers come into this game off the long week, having played on Thursday, a loss against Philadelphia, a game that I feel they should have won. His foot hurt so badly he didn't want to put a shoe on. So even though he's got the extra couple days to recoup, I mean, turf toe is something that can just keep coming back. And that's something that really concerns me as a Packers fan. I would almost rather them sit Devontae Adams this week and let that heal up for another week before you think about rolling him out there. Because if he severely injures himself, then you're talking about your whole season potentially being down the tubes. On the Dallas side, the injury issue is no better. It's left tackle Tyron Smith. He suffered an ankle injury in that game last week against New Orleans. Jerry Jones described it as of the high ankle variety. Jerry Jones just loves the smell of his own farts. So it's a high ankle sprain. He's not likely to play. More than likely, Tyron Smith is looking at like a week-to-week timeline. So I don't think it's as severe as some other high ankle sprains that we've seen. So he's considered week-to-week. I doubt you're going to see him play this week, which is a huge loss on their offensive line. He's like a, probably a top five tackle in the NFL. So that that Green Bay pass rush from the right side might have a chance of getting home. But I cannot wait to see this matchup specifically when the Dallas Cowboys have the football. The Cowboys, the number three total offense in football, going up against the Packers, who right now have the number three pass defense in football. The secondary has played very, very well this season. Not entirely, like not for like not consistently across the board, but for the most part, they've played really well. So seeing that Cowboys offense, which did sputter last week, going up against a top five secondary right now by rank in Green Bay. That's what I'm really excited about in this football game. I'm not exactly excited about my team's prospects for winning the football game. I think Dallas is a better team. Dallas is at home. I like the Cowboys here. I'm going to take Dallas. See, I'm not always a homer. I'm going to take Dallas because I think they're legitimately the better team. Dallas at home to beat Green Bay. On the line, Dallas three and a half point favorite, so you do have to lay that extra half point of juice, but it's still a relatively small price to pay. So I'm going to lay those three and a half points, take the Cowboys minus three and a half. Total in the game set at 47 points. I've got this thing capped at like a mid 30. A lot of unders this week, but I feel really good about this staying under 47 points. Let's take under 47 points in Dallas Green Bay. We're going to go Cowboys 21. Packers 14. All right, folks, here we go. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week five in the NFL. We start with the bronze pick where I am struggling. Only one and three straight up have not hit one correct against the spread and only one and three on the totals. We're turning this bad boy around this week by jumping on the San Francisco 49ers bandwagon. We got the Niners at home taking on the Cleveland Browns. Niners come in off their bye. Cleveland, a bit of an injury issue with Jarvis Landry. He's got a concussion. He's in protocol. His status is unknown for this game. That basically has them down to Odell Beckham. If you can stop Odell Beckham, chances are you can beat this team. And San Francisco, I can't deny it anymore. They're the number four total offense in football. They're the number three total defense in football. And basically across the board, Cleveland is average, maybe a little below maybe a little above in some areas. But this San Francisco 49ers team, I can't deny it anymore. So I'm all on the bandwagon in this football game. I think San Francisco creams Cleveland in this one. We're going to take San Francisco at home, especially where Cleveland's on back-to-back road games. We're going to take San Francisco to beat the Browns. 
On the line, the Niners are only getting three and a half points as a home favorite. So lay those points all day. This is a very small price to pay as far as I'm concerned. I expected this number to be higher and it probably will climb higher later in the week. So you might want to grab it now while you can. I like the Niners to cover minus three and a half points. Total in the game set at 46 and a half. I think this is another like perfect total but I got a pretty strong lean on the over in this one I think you're going to see some points so let's take over 46 and a half points in San Francisco Cleveland we're going to go Niners 35 Cleveland 13 I think the Niners cream them Niners straight up we're hammering the Niners minus three and a half against the spread in a game that goes over 46 and a half points that is your bronze pick my silver pick, Ryan, three and one across the board, three and one straight up, three and one against the spread, three and one over under. The silver pick's been the one that's been paying out this year. Sees the Los Angeles Chargers at home welcoming in the Denver Broncos. Chargers-Broncos division matchup of the AFC West. Broncos obviously have lost every game they've played this season. It was only a two-point loss last week at home against Jacksonville. So that was a real close game that I think Denver probably deserved to win. Just didn't work out that way. Chargers got back on the happy side last week with a victory over Miami. Again, it was my platinum pick that I aced 30-10. to That game never in question. Good chance the Chargers get Melvin Gordon back for this game. I mean, maybe maybe he sits or maybe he only plays, you know, limited snaps or whatever, but you got to you got to get him geared back up and get him back in the swing of things and on pace with everybody else. The Chargers come into the game with a number 5 total offense in football, but the Broncos have the fifth best pass defense. So the Broncos secondary definitely doing their job. But you can't say the same about the offense or the run defense. The Broncos, the third worst run defense in the NFL, which would be a very tasty matchup to get Melvin Gordon back in there and get him 15 to 20 touches against what's been a bad run defense so far this year. The Broncos also, that again, that minus five turnover differential like the Falcons and like the Giants. Denver's tied with them as well. Already minus five in the turnover differential department only through four weeks. Now, there are some injury concerns on the defensive side here for both teams. For the Chargers, edge rusher Melvin Ingram. He's injured his hamstring, and according to Ian Rapoport, he's likely to miss a couple of weeks, so certainly don't expect him to play in this football game. And for Denver, an edge rusher of theirs, outside linebacker Bradley Chubb. He suffered a knee injury last week, returned to the game only to later find out he tore his ACL. That's a tough dude. He returned to that football game just on momentum and just like adrenaline and went back into that game to try to win that thing. The poor guy had a torn ACL. He's done for the year now. He's been shut down. So that certainly hurts what is a really bad run defense for Denver. Of note, the home team in this division matchup has covered against the spread only four times in the last 10, but it's been three of the last six. So the home team kind of starting to play a little better in this head-to-head -head matchup. Uh, the home team here is a significantly better football team. We're going to lean on the significantly better football team. We're going to take the Chargers at home to beat Denver. On the line, Chargers only laying six and a half points against the spread. It's just under a touchdown. I'm going to grab this while it's still here. I think this is an accurate reflection of the difference between these two teams. So let's take the Chargers minus six and a half. Might even be a little bit of a gift. So thank you for that one, Vegas. Total in the game set at 44 and a half points. I've got this capped at like a mid to high 40. So it's right around this number, but a, a nice little lean on the over here. So we're going to go over. 44 and a half points in Chargers Broncos. We're going to go LA 29, Denver 18. Chargers straight up. We're going to hammer the Chargers minus six and a half against the spread in a game that goes over 44 and a half points. That is your silver pick. Nine and three on the year. My gold pick where I'm three and one straight up and three and one on the over-unders, but I am winless against the spread. Let's see if we can't change that this week. Sees the Philadelphia Eagles at home playing host to the New York Jets. Sorry, the Giants. I already talked about the Giants. The Jets come into the game off the bye week, so that's a good thing for them. The Eagles come into the game off of the long week, having played Thursday last week, the win against Green Bay. That's also good for them. 
Jets have yet to pick up a victory so far on the season, while the Eagles, again with that victory against Green Bay last week, get back on the happy side of par. They're at 2-2, two and two, still very much in the thick of things in the NFC East. This is one of those games where it's actually very difficult to judge exactly where the points are going to come from. These are two teams that are top 10 run defenses on the season so far. Philly, the number four run defense in football. The Jets, no slouches. They're at number eight. Going to be difficult to move the ball on the ground. The Jets also come into the game with the worst total offense in football. Hallelujah, Miami Dolphins fans. Your long nightmare is finally over. You are no longer the worst offense in this league. Statistically speaking, that's now the Jets. The Eagles, however, are currently sporting the worst pass defense in the entire NFL. So it's possible the Jets could move the ball a little bit through the air. Or maybe the Eagles defense is a little bit better than it's shown so far. And this is an excellent opportunity for them to turn that around. I tend to skew on that side of the argument. I think this is going to be a nice bounce back game for the Eagles on the defensive side. The offense, I think they're going to be able to move the ball. I think they're going to be able to put up points. So I'm going to take the Eagles here, especially where they're at home. Let's take Philadelphia at home to hang a loss on the Jets. On the line, though, Philly is a 13.5 point favorite, and that's just too many points. To have to lay two full touchdowns, against a team that I don't think they're that much better than. Like, they're better. They're definitely a better team. But are they 14 full points better than the Jets? I don't necessarily think that's the case. So we are going to hedge our bets here. That's just too many points. Grab the Jets plus the 13 and a half points. Total in the game set at 44 and a half points. I've got this capped right around to mid 40. So it's pretty darn close. Almost a perfect total. I'm going to skew on the over on this one, though. I think we'll see just a couple more points than that. So we're going to go over 44.5 points in Philadelphia, New York. Eagles 28, Jets 17. Eagles straight up, but we're hedging our bets, taking the Jets plus 13.5 against the spread in a game that goes over 44.5 points. That is your gold pick. And your platinum pick from 4-0 straight up, but only 1-3, both against the spread and over-under, sees the Kansas City Chiefs playing host to the Indianapolis Colts. Chiefs are not surprisingly undefeated on the season, 4-0, scoring a ton of points, giving up a decent number of points as well, but their, their scoring defense has, has gotten a little bit better from, from seasons past. Uh, the Colts... Losing that game that I certainly did not expect them to lose to the Oakland Raiders. But again, their team is so beaten up. And like I mentioned a little bit earlier, Paris Campbell, he may not be playing in this game. Marlon Mack had an ankle injury. He looks like he's a little banged up. He will probably play, but he could very well be limited and seed carries to both Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins. And if that's the case... That quote-unquote three-headed monster is not as good as just Marlon Mack on his own. Chiefs sporting the number two total offense in football. However, it is the third worst total defense. So I think if Jacoby Brissett can dedicate himself to being a little less conservative on the offensive side, take a couple of shots downfield, you know, look look for those defensive pass interference penalties. Like, just take some shots. I think you got to be a little more aggressive on the offensive side. I think Jacoby Brissett could be something special for the Colts, but they got to get a little more aggressive with this offense. If they do that, they could find some success against this Chiefs secondary, but I just don't think they've got the offense to keep up with Kansas City. Plus, Kansas City's not turning the ball over. The Chiefs are one of three teams in the NFL this season with zero interceptions. Patrick Mahomes has not thrown up a lame duck yet. I don't expect that'll happen in this football game. And if the Colts can't get a couple of turnovers, I just don't think they keep pace. We're going to be on Kansas City in this football game. Let's take the Chiefs at home to beat the Colts. On the line, Chiefs are only laying 10.5 points at home. I, it's double digits, but I think that number is justified, kind of like when we talked about the Patriots. But, I mean, you know, certainly the Colts are a better team than Washington. But the 10.5 points here is justified. So I'm going to lay those points. We're going to take Kansas City minus the 10.5. Total in the game set at 57 points, which is far and away the highest total of the week. But I've got this thing capped at a low 60. So I still think it goes over. 
We're going to go over 57 points in Kansas City, Indianapolis. Chiefs, 37. Colts, 24. Like the Chiefs straight up, we're hammering the Chiefs minus 10.5 against the spread in a game that goes over 57 points. That is your platinum pick. There you have it, folks. Your picks are in for week five in the NFL. We can only hope to do significantly better than we did last week. But it is time now for the patented comment of the week. The comment of the week from the week four episode of the show goes to my good friend Martin, West Coast Martin, a longtime viewer, a longtime member of the prognostication community, one of the most valued members of the community, if I may say so myself. And his comment from the week four episode goes as such. I dumped the Panthers due to their less than thrilling performance home against the Bucks. What a comeback against Arizona, though. And look, you are totally justified. In, in having dumped the Panthers after that performance that you talked about. But I really think this Panthers defense is something special. And like I kind of said in my response to you, without Cam Newton, it's going to have to be the defense that steals some of these games. And this is another situation where their defense is going to be more than capable of stealing this game against the Jags. But Martin, yours is the comment of the week from the week four episode, my friend. Thank you very much for it. Week five episode, we shake our hands. It is in the books. Thank you so much for listening and watching. I hope you enjoy the games in week five. Your boy's on vacation. I'm on vacation, but I'm still working hard for you, my beloved audience. And thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the episode, to enjoy the picks, hopefully enjoy the games. I know you'll do that. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees. Enjoy the games and we will see you again for week number six.